Hello, and welcome to In Her Room, women writers on life, craft, and changing the world. I'm your host, Sarah Blackthorne. Today's guest is Alicia Summer. Alicia Summer is a writer, visual storyteller, mother, and seeker of the light. Creator of Blackberry, a magazine, which features the writing and art of African-American women, and co-creator of Liberated Lines, an Instagram-based writing course for fast and raw expression, Alicia writes to the truth of the moment. She infuses each vulnerable story with tenderness and compassion, and isn't afraid to speak her truth with courage, even when she shakes. Alicia, it is so great to have you on the show today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I was really glad um, when I first came to you with this idea of a podcast and you said, that's really cool, uh, because I knew that I wanted you to be on the show and now you're here. So this is very exciting sort of moment of full circle for the show. You were part of the creation. You know, and... Um, you know, I've always been a big fan of yours anyway, Sarah, but when I heard this idea, I was just like, yeah, because there's lots of podcasts about writing, but none, at least not to my knowledge, to specifically talk about or talk with women writers only. Um, and I just thought that was such a neat idea and very needed. Oh, that means a lot to me. I want to talk to you today about writing and about storytelling also about Blackberry, which is a literary magazine that you created, and also about what it means to tell true stories as women and as writers. And sometimes when we're telling stories that are really hard and have invisible pieces to them. But first, I'd like to know, what is writing to you? Writing to me... um has always been about self-expression. But lately, over the past few years, I've really understood its ability to create community. And so right now, that's been my main focus is is how I continue to create and invite people um, into a community through my words. Mm. Community, absolutely. You are the creator of Blackberry, a magazine, which features the writing and art of African-American women. And I'm wondering if you could tell us how Blackberry came to be and what your vision for the magazine is. So about three years ago now, I was down in New Orleans visiting my parents, and we spent a morning at the New Orleans Museum of Art, um, just in the city. And we were walking around, and I saw this painting by a Dutchman, um, and it was called Madonna Nursing Her Baby in the Sugarcane Fields, something along those lines. The details um, escaped me, but essentially it was a painting of a slave woman nursing her child in sugarcane fields. And I thought to myself, how in the world is this you know, white man, not even an American, but a Dutchman, um, how does he have the authority or the license to tell this story? of this, you know, the slave woman. Um, and at the time, I was also really searching for 
avenues through which I could publish my own writing. I was like, you know, where are where do I see myself represented in the publishing industry, particularly literary magazines? There are like thousands of literary magazines. And I wasn't seeing very many people that looked like me, either a woman, uh, specifically a woman of color on the cover or within its pages. And um, so, you know, and there's always that there's that saying, you know, if you don't see what you want, you go create it yourself. And so I had always wanted to have a magazine since probably high school. And at that moment, that day, I was like, you know what? This to me is a sign. Let me just go ahead and do it. So I kind of just threw together a Kickstarter while I was down in New Orleans visiting my parents. And here I am almost three years later, still kind of growing um, because literally I know nothing about <laughs> running a literary magazine. I just had an idea and this vision of creating this space where um, I could showcase the diversity of literature by, by Black women. You know, I, I didn't want it to be relegated anymore to like February, where there was just a special section set up in Barnes and Noble of mm -hmm. Black writers. And I didn't want it to just be, you know, um, urban fiction, where things that, while they were representative of some experiences of Black people and Black women, was not the entirety of a, of a Black experience in, of a, in America. I just wanted to showcase the fact that Black women writers were writing things that were not always violent, not about, you know, becoming, being a prostitute or rising up from prostitution and, or uh, being poor, that, that there are a lot of us that live highly educated lives, that we're doctors and lawyers and writers, and we have experience that's actually very similar to many people that we, our work is still relatable um, and still interesting and of value to people outside of Black America. Um, so I'm hoping, my vision for the magazine is that it continues to grow into something that is, you know, a household name. My, my big dream is that it becomes like the Paris Review of Black literature, right? Like everybody who's somebody that's yeah. a Black woman writer um, is in it. And it just becomes like this, this really well-respected um, quality magazine. So we're, I'm getting there. I have goosebumps listening to you talk about it. I remember when you first came up with this idea and started your Kickstarter, because as a, uh, as a white woman, who has grown up and lived primarily in the Midwest, I have a, a pretty, I would say, sheltered experience of American culture. And one of the things I love about our friendship as writers and as women is that you and I have a lot of conversations about what it means to be who we are in the worlds that we circle in, in New Orleans, a city we both love, and as writers. And for me, I have often struggled with how to find the balance between uh, showcasing and wanting to push and promote the work of all writers, particularly all women writers, and not wanting to be seen as stepping over or stepping into something that isn't mine. 
And I love that Blackberry has this very clear focus of we are bringing this work. We are writers and we are women and we have these stories that must be told and they are for everyone to hear. Mm-hmm. You have a quote on the front page of Blackberry's website. Perhaps it is just as well to be rash and foolish for a while. If writers were too wise, perhaps no books would get written at all. It might be better to ask yourself why afterward than before. Anyway, the force of somewhere in space, which commands you to write in the first place, gives you no choice. You take up the pen when you are told and write what is commanded. And I can just have this image of Zora Neale Hurston sitting at her desk and writing this. And there's such power in these words because they are so universally relatable. We are writers because we write, because we have stories to tell. And you are both a writer and a visual storyteller. Your Instagram feed is one of the most beautiful that I know of. And thank you. One of the things that you bring into your photography is seeking the light. And and I think you created the hashtag where the light is. I'm just going to give you credit for it Um, (laughs) because I don't when I think of that hashtag, you are who I think of. And lots of people have contributed to it. But I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about the importance of photography and visual storytelling as it relates to both your work as a writer and your life as a whole. Yeah. So just quickly, where the light is, I did not create the hashtag, though I am one of the people I think who uses it the most. But it is from one of my favorite John Mayer songs. Um, Gosh, the name of it escapes me. I'll have to come back to you with that. But there's a line in there and it says, just keep me where the light is keeping where the light is. Um, Gravity, there it is, Gravity. That's the name of the song. And uh, it was just one of those songs that was really pivotal for me at one point in my life. And the light initially, when I first started taking pictures, it was more so of just like a noticing of the world around me. Um, I suffer from seasonal affective disorder and I live in Chicago and you live also in the North Midwest, mm-hmm. the Northern Midwest. And so you know what it's like to go a long, dark winter. Yes. <laughs> and um, so I just, I was just trying to find that little bit to keep me getting through the rest of the winter, you know? And it was, um, and, and it, it caused me to like really slow down my thoughts for just a minute, you know, like just, what is happening right now? What am I feeling right now? What is my truth in this moment? And so it's just a really great way for me to start my day. I have three kids. I am usually rushing in the morning. I get up before everybody, but there's still, you know, three snacks and a lunch to be made and people to get dressed and out the door. But if I can have like that five minutes where I sit down in my rocking chair by the window where the light is, it's just, it's really grounding for me. Um, and so it's just continued to evolve into this practice now of when, whenever I'm looking at something, I'm always noticing where the light is falling, where are the shadows, where's the light, 
what is happening in this space at this very moment? And I think essentially that's what all artists do, right? We notice. I don't think that there's, I don't think you can create anything without being super sensitive to the world around you. And I think a lot of creatives are exactly that. We're really sensitive to what's going on around us. And so visual storytelling is kind of just me capturing my environment and trying to add more depth to, I don't, I don't know if it makes sense what I'm saying, but you know, it's, it's an element that I think accentuates my writing, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, that's an additional layer. The photography is just like that one extra piece that enhances whatever story I want to tell. And so I, I think it's a fun exercise, which is why Robin and I started doing liberated lines is that there's so much you can say with words and so much you can say with pictures mm -hmm. that when you combine them, it's kind of a really special experience. And, you know, we see this in magazines and, and um, newspapers and online, but there's something too about Instagram in particular that is this very small, you're very limited with the space that you have. You know, you have that one square right. and you have this tiny space where you can enter some characters and how much punch and how much truth and how much life can you inject into this very tiny frame? Mm, absolutely. And you mentioned Liberated Lines, which is an Instagram-based writing course, um, which I think some people might be confused by, but you have run it and it's very popular. Um, and I think that there is a hunger for that, the ability to see something and share the words that instantly go with it, or to have the words and to to hunt for an image that is going to represent the feeling and the thoughts that you're having in that moment. Mm, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because we kind of started it as an experiment, which I think is the best way to do things is to kind of experiment and play. Um, there's that joy and that excitement behind it when it's mm -hmm. more for fun. Um, but I think it's really, I think it's become popular because people, I, it gives people an opportunity to do just that. Like you said, like to, to find those connections and to express it, I, I think people in general are hesitant to express their truth. And that's kind of what we're what we're really about is like, this is the truth in this moment, right? And because every moment is different. And so it allows us the freedom to kind of change and evolve on a minute to minute basis, while at the same time acknowledging that this is who I am right now. And that is okay. And that is very right for me. And I'm going to share this with you because I know that for me, going back to the community part of, of what writing is for me, um, you can't create community and feel that connection without a little bit of vulnerability. And that's what our course, that's what Liberated Lines really kind of forces people to do is to be a little bit more vulnerable. You know, we say a lot to the people who take our class, you know, we don't edit. Mm -hmm. You just get it out and then, and, you know, press publish, like that's it. And then you let it go. And there's a lot of freedom behind that. 
um, and a lot of power too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think also it taps into a different part of our writing brain and our writing self. In my work, much of what I do is as an editor and as a coach. And so I come into the place and the writing after that moment of get it all down, no matter what, scramble out that first draft, put the words on the page. That's when I step in. But I think, too, it's so important to cultivate that practice of whether it's free writing or morning pages or Instagram prose, you know, taking a photograph and putting whatever the words are out onto the screen because it also keeps us uh, noticing and I think it keeps us a little more skillful when it comes to remembering observations and for paying attention to details in our more polished writing. Yeah, exactly. You know, I found over the time, as I continue to take the same picture from the rocking chair and by the same window, is that it's forcing me to find, to continue to find new ways to talk about the same exact thing, right? And I think that's really important as writers too, because a lot of people won't write because they're like, well, somebody's already said it before, but they don't say it like you can say it, or they, or they haven't said it like you might be able to say it, or maybe you've got a new word or a new phrase or just a different tone and a style where all of us can take the same exact picture in my rocking chair by the window, but each of us is going to talk about it and talk about that experience in a completely different way. Um, so yeah, I do. I agree with you. I think it really forces you as a writer to even push yourself and find new ways of noticing and, and new ways of conveying an experience mm-hmm. in a story. Definitely. I'm curious, what's the best advice that you've ever received? So the best advice I've received, and there's a book by Marion Roach Smith, um, who's a memoirist at, it's the memoir project. And I've read the book probably four or five times. And one of the things she talks about in the book is to not confuse your morning pages or your journaling. I don't want to say, I don't use the, I don't want to use the word or the phrase real writing, but being very clear about what your goals are as a writer. Um, and that's something that as I continue to grow as a writer and as I continue to develop a community of writers around me is noticing, one, the very positive effect of self-expression through the written word. People need it. You know, like I always tell people, I'm like, everybody needs a therapist. I think everybody should journal too. I think it's very therapeutic. I think uh, mm-hmm. it's just a very great way to process yourself, your life, things that are going on. I totally believe in people writing for themselves. But if you're you are also wanting to write as a career and as a vocation to understand the work side of that. And so that reading her book, I think is like really, um, really, really instilled that clarity for me as far as my own goals with writing. Mm, Absolutely. And I think I'm intrigued 
I'm unfamiliar with this book and I'm super excited to write it down and I'll put a link to it in the podcast blog post, but I think it's particularly interesting to me that it's called The Memoir Project Mm -hmm. when for a long time there's been this struggle around memoir and finding the lines between that therapeutic writing and that sort of personal journal diary narrative and a memoir which is a story about a specific time and place or an event that is very personal and we're telling our personal story through it but it doesn't have those same qualities of diary writing that we sometimes use when we're writing for ourselves but that don't actually convey the story to others when we go to put it out on the page. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's kind of what, why sometimes memoir gets a bad rap, right? Is that people Mm -hmm. think that it's all, it's just a diary. When in actuality, a memoir, while it is a personal story, um, like we talked about earlier about finding ways to connect people with that story, Mm -hmm. that to show how universal this, this particular experience can be. What are the aspects of my story that relate to somebody else? What, how, how can I help somebody else heal or process their own life or an event in their own life by sharing my own? Um, and, And what makes it interesting and what makes it really engaging for somebody somebody outside of my life mm-hmm. to read this story. Because um, and, and a lot of us, like I said, a lot of us have the same experiences in life, but sometimes we can tell them in a certain way, or maybe we've learned a lesson from it that we think other people can learn too. And I think there's, yeah, there's that difference between a diary where you're kind of just getting it all out. You have to get the story out of you, but then there's the crafting of the memoir which is where you learn how to structure it in a way that other people really get it, get you, get the story, get the lesson, get the meaning behind it, and then they can go on with their lives having, having had this experience with your words. Mm, absolutely. You write uh, personal nonfiction and memoir, as well as creative nonfiction. And there are lots of places that people can find your writing online, but I'd love it if you could share a piece with us today. Sure. Um, This is a piece that I wrote for one of our mutual friends, Evelyn Lauer, who did a series about love uh, this past February. And this story is something that I've written probably about a dozen times and then finally really paid attention to it and started trying to craft it. Um, And so it's something that I felt immensely proud of having finished it after seeing it sitting in my desktop folders for about three (laughs) three years. So I'll read it. It's called... Um, I didn't belong here. You see, 
This is why I always come when he calls. There are always these little glimpses of possibility of a real relationship. Like maybe one day he will decide that we can be something definitive, something official, something not so secret. We no longer work together or for the same people, yet maybe being associated with me publicly is still not a good idea. Maybe I'm still too black, maybe I'm still too convenient. But tonight he doesn't send me away. Instead, he leads me to his parents' room and into his parents' bed where their little shih tzu lays snoring against the footboard, and it is dark, so dark. Our skin is illumined by the television, and I am not listening to the words not listening to the snores of the dog, just listening to him breathe, just listening to the way our breath overlaps before falling into sync. My grandfather is an early riser and I want to make sure I am home before he wakes. I tell him I will be back later and he says, okay. I roll out of his parents' bed, pack my bag and walk back through the front door. I pull it gently closed until the knob snaps back. It is a chilly morning. I can see my breath in the air. I start the car and back out of the driveway and back into the dark, back to home, back to my grandfather. By the time my grandfather finally makes it down the stairs, I have already made his eggs and toast. I add some bacon at his request, and we make small talk about the weather and the news. I turn on the fireplace for him to warm him up. Kansas is far too cold for him. And we sit and eat and drink. I let him know that I'm heading to the library to do some studying, that I will be back around lunchtime but for him to call me if he needs anything. I don't make it to the library, but I do drive back up I-35 through a sheet of mist. My bag is still full of books and papers as if I am indeed going back to school to study instead of back to him. When I get there, he is still waiting for me, still shirtless, still shrouded in a cloud of down. I find my place beside him. My skin is on his skin. My chest is against his back and the smell of his mother's perfume is in my nose. When we wake, he suggests we head out for breakfast, but before we leave, we take the dog for a walk. Outside, the air is dense and still, and the colors of the trees are muted beneath the cool fog. I am too. I am dense and still and muted. Everyone else is at work or is too cold and still asleep or inside at their tables eating eggs, and yet we walk side by side without muttering a sound, as if we will disturb the world with our togetherness. Or maybe it is just that I don't understand what is going on and so I stay silent to make this moment last as long as possible, to make sure that I don't break this dream. In the car, I rest my hand on the console and he places his hand on mine. And though he is speaking to me, all I can hear is my heart and the perfectness of all that is happening. I stare at him. I probably look at him more than I do my pancakes because I don't want to miss him blink, because I want to watch the way his lips wrap around a fork because I need to know how the vein underneath his left ear pulses through the skin when he swallows his coffee. Because right now, everything feels real. Back at the house, full from eggs and coffee and pancakes, we divvy up the newspaper and I sit down on the sofa to read. He is soon beside me, so near that I can see every hair on his arm, then removing his Jayhawk's hat and laying his head in my lap. There is something so personal about a head in your lap, so intimate, so many spaces into which things can enter all so close together. His hands move the pen across the paper, and every now and then he asks me a question like, six-letter word four? I am here. I don't know if I belong here with him in his parents' home, sunk deep into the corner of their blue couch with its pink and green floral screaming out at me. I don't know if I belong here in this suspended light with him, and his head in my lap, my fingers running through his hair, thick and chocolatey and clean. 
I wish I do not have to leave, but I need to get back to my grandfather. I want to stay here forever, permanently affixed to his parents' home, their bed, their sofa, their table, their son. But I have to leave, and when I do, he will tell me that he will call me later, and that we will go to a movie, and later he will cancel. And later I will float away in sadness, because later I will understand that our morning together was the closest I will ever get to him being mine, to him belonging to me. Thank you for sharing that. You write so... I don't want to use the word cleanly, but there is an aesthetic to your writing that is both sparse and infused with emotion and potential. And I think that is such a unique characteristic because my experience of your writing is that you always say so much more than just the words on the page. I think this piece is an excellent example of that, um, of conveying those thoughts and those feelings that so many of us can probably relate to with a sense of elegance. You are um, so skilled at telling the hard stories. And I just really want to thank you for sharing that piece. Well, thank you. Thank you for your kind words. That's like, those are amazing compliments. <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah, you know, I have to credit one, my, one of my um, high school English teachers who one day on the front of the board had um, written, brevity is the soul of wit. And, you know, she was just really integral in helping us pare down our words. What is necessary? What is, what is truly necessary to tell a story? And also because I am an introvert and I am very quiet, so I tend not to say things a whole lot. So, <laughs> so I um, very... And I think maybe just because language and words and reading and stories have been such an integral part of my life in general, like since I was, you know, four or five, I'd known I wanted to be a writer, that I, I've learned over time and I really appreciate and understand the power behind words. Mm. And so I'm very selective in what I use just because I, if that makes any sense, I just, mm-hmm. you know, it, my husband said to me one time, he's like, you know, He's like, you say you think a lot, but like, if you just don't want to say something or like, you don't feel like you need to say it or he's like, but you, you just don't say anything sometimes. I'm like, correct. <laughs> <laughs> I know what needs to be said and what doesn't. And when I do say it, I want to make sure that I'm using the right words um, mm-hmm. so that I am giving you clearly what it is that I intend to say. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want there to be too much ambiguity uh, so that I think that's part of my process is that I am economical I used which is kind of like a unfun word Mm -hmm. when when you're talking about creativity but I think that's um yeah I've always wanted to make sure that I say a lot with very few few words Mm. it comes through it works (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) I'm curious you talk about reading and um sort of taking in. I'm wondering 
what are you devouring these days? Mm. Well, right now, um, we after my last trip to New Orleans, I uh, or during my last trip to New Orleans, I bought a collection of short stories by Alice Munro. So I finished Dear Life while I was down there. And then I am currently working through her latest one, which I actually got a signed copy of this first edition, which I'm super excited about because, you know, she's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And it's family furnishings. So I'm going through the short stories in there. And I'm also working on another short story um, right now. And I'm reading through a book of Raymond Carver's short stories. So those two things, and then the rest of it's like boring stuff, nonfiction things, business related to, because I like to be a little rounded. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's some practical things. And then there's the fun, creative stuff that is just really inspiring. And, and to me, both of those writers, particularly Carver, are also write in similar ways. Uh, or they're a style that I am drawn to or, or geared toward. You know, Carver is also one of those writers who is very sparse with his words. Um, but packs a lot of punch into his stories. So, You were recently uh, mentioned as a contributing writer for Annapurna Living, which is an online place for um, art and writing and personal exploration created by Carrie Ann Moss. I'm wondering, what are some other projects you're working on these days? Well, <laughs> I have probably too many things sitting in front of me at the moment. But um, my work with Annapurna Living has really inspired me to continue to push myself as far as where I want to go with my writing. And I talked a little bit about this earlier between this uh, writing as personal exploration and like writing as my career and what I want that to look like. And I'd love to continue to work with other people who are using the online platforms as a way to create community um, and tell stories. And so I, I really, one of my other big dreams outside of making a magazine and working with other writers is that I would love to break into magazine writing. So that is one of the things that I'm really working on. Um, and and encompassing or adding to that, that layer of visual storytelling. So I'm in the midst of learning a lot about photography um, and expanding my knowledge because up till this point, I've really been self-taught, self-taught and that's just been through playing with my iPhone. Um, but my husband got me this really fancy camera so that I could, <laughs> I could learn how to take better pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think right now I'm just overall in the process of laying the foundation for me to execute the kind of storytelling I really want to be doing. So that that is learning how to write more concisely, write with more detail, um, writing for different types of platforms, you know, that, that's magazine writing, that's blog content, that's Instagram, that's all other types of social media because each one of those requires a different process um, and also learning how to tell more stories about also everyday ordinary people around me you know we and I think that's 
we're seeing a lot of that explode right now in the online space is that like the internet is great for allowing us to see the world uh, as a whole, like the entirety of what of what people are experiencing across the across the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not we're no longer having to only digest celebrity profiles, you know, like. Mm. I don't really want to read, you know, Angelina, for example, Angelina, Angelina Jolie is a fantastic woman and it's great. And she uses her wealth and her status and her celebrity for a lot of fantastic things. But I don't really want to read anymore about Angelina Jolie. We've been reading about her for a really long time. I want to learn about, mm-hmm. you know, the woman over in uh, Glen Ellen who opened up this really fantastic small cafe and makes these delicious cinnamon rolls and what kind of challenges did she have to face in order to follow her creative dream? I'm so much more interested in, in learning how to tell the stories of seemingly ordinary people doing great things. And like, you know, you're, you're one of the people that I feel like is, um, has that is driven to something greater. And I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I just really want to to give myself the tools to be able to go out, find people like you and some of the other friends that, that we know and people in my own community that I don't know yet. And how are they, how are they living their creative dreams? How are they contributing to the world in their own way? It doesn't have to be, um, you know, Carrie Ann and I have talked about this too, that change and revolutions don't have to be grandiose. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be, you know, I don't, you don't have to be raising a billion dollars or, you know, maybe you don't travel to Africa and go build a school. That is fine. But if you are creating a space for women's voices to be heard, if you are helping people reach their dreams by, you know, editing their work and helping them really find the meat of their story and, and pushing them and propelling them in their dream, then I'm interested in that. Mm. You know, I want to know more about that stuff. So my, my work right now is continuing to build BlackBerry, um, pushing myself into writing outside of my blog and into other spaces and, and finding those stories and finding that in that community. I think that's so important because community is really what this podcast is about. I, um, when I decided I wanted to do this, I realized that the people I want to interview are not all of them are actually not most of them are people that you might find on the bestsellers list or Mm -hmm. people who are going to be on 57 talk shows a month Um, they're people like you and I who are writers we write and we are living and doing this work every day and we can relate to that because when I listen to a podcast I want to hear about someone who is living in integrity and authenticity and doing the work that they are driven to do in the world and I think that that part of building community and of telling those stories that aren't so often told by most other forms of media 
whether it's a literary magazine or an online journal or a podcast of any kind. Those are the stories that inspire us to keep doing our own work when we get up in the morning and feel like, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through being a writer? Why am I showing up every day and pushing myself? You know, I, I ask myself that every morning. What, why am I doing this work? <laughs> mm-hmm. Why have I chosen the path of most resistance? Mm-hmm. It feels like many times, you know. Um, and I think that it's about that call to be true to ourselves and really say, this is who I am. This is who I need to be in the world. And to trust that who I am and who I need to be in the world in this iteration is going to be enough and is going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, yeah, it, being enough and knowing that's going to make a difference. And I think we all underestimate our abilities to transform someone's life just by being simply who we are. Um, And, you know, like, I, I always tell people, you know, I, like I said before, I'm a big proponent of people writing and sharing um, because there are stories that people need to hear. And I think that that is why the online world and blogging in particularly became so popular and had this boom is that, you know, I'm going to use mommy bloggers as an example, though um, I am a parent and I don't really read very many mommy blogs, but their explosion was not because of, I think, you know, pretty pictures and people posting these idealized photos of their, of their life. I think it was really that stay at home moms, who were transitioning either out of the workforce or had never been in the workforce and were lonely and had no idea if they were alone and these things that they were feeling and what they were experiencing was that they were like, oh, it's not just me. I feel so much better. <laughs> I feel so much better. Um, but, and that's why I am also a big proponent of people like just wherever they are in their, their craft of writing or, or their experiences that, you know what, I might not need to read your story but I bet there's someone else out there is, you know, Mm -hmm. that, so to never underestimate the power of you just being you and you being honest and open about your own experiences. Mm, Absolutely. I have really loved talking with you today about truth and vulnerability and creating community I am really excited to see where your writing goes next and to share with listeners Blackberry because like you said when you talk about it it's it's not just a magazine for black women and black lives it's a magazine for everyone to hear those stories and experiences. And if people want to 
learn more about BlackBerry, they can check it out at blackberryamagazine.com. I want to give you a chance to share something directly with listeners, a piece of wisdom that you want them to take away from this podcast? Mm, That is such a good question. Um, I think what I'd like to share with people is that if you believe in something, if there's something that haunts you and just won't go away, whether it's creating a magazine or starting your blog or writing a book or making a painting, learning how to bake bread, whatever it is, I think that you should give yourself permission to just do it. Um, And this is trite. I mean, everybody's heard this before, but there is no perfect time. Um, You're going to be tired. You're going to wake up. We're going to wake up every morning and wonder, why am I doing this to myself? But the truth of the matter is that oftentimes it's because we can't not do it. And so to give yourself the grace to work with these dreams and honor these dreams and impulses to create and inspire and do with grace and on your own time and in your own pace. Um, because I, I feel like I'm, I'm a very young mom. I had my kids. I started having my kids when I was 22. So I have three kids and, um, I am the youngest mom I know, I think. And so I spend a lot of time with women who are in their late 30s, in their 40s. Uh, and I've, I hear oftentimes this, this feeling that either they've lost a bit of themselves or they're not sure what they want to do with their lives or they're like, wow, you do so many things. I really wish I had the time to do it or I could do it or And the truth is everybody is creative and we all have these impulses and desires. We just talk ourselves out of them. And I just don't, or we put them off for a later date. And I don't know. I I think you don't want to wake up in 10 years and be like, man, I really wish I would have written a book 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So if it's a page today or a paragraph today, or, you know, I write in the car when I pick my kids up, whatever it is, there are is always a little bit of time to keep doing the things you love. So you just have to find it. it, it well, I shouldn't say find it because it's already there. You just have to take, you just have to believe enough in yourself and in those dreams and impulses um, mm-hmm. to take that time and, and do it because ultimately you're going to feel so much better. I was exhausted this morning, but I also know that I was working on something that I really and truly believed in and loved last night. And so being tired today is worth it. Mm. Um, it's always worth it. So, yeah, that's such good advice. I think because it's so much easier to get bogged down in all the other stuff that we have to do when we can actually trust that there is time to do the work that we're meant to be doing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Alicia, it's been so fantastic to have you on the show. I really love talking with you and sharing your voice and your wisdom with others. 
Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk about these kinds of things. And I'm so glad that you did go ahead and start this podcast because I think it's going to serve a lot of people. And I mean, the women that you're that you are profiling and sharing are also really amazing. So I'm honored to be a part of this group. If listeners want to learn more about you and your work, they can find you online at aliciasummer.com and also on Instagram and on Pinterest. I will have all of those links available in the blog post for this podcast if people want to check out more about you and your work. Again, it's it's so great and so enriching to have this conversation with you. Thank you for being here. Great, hey, thank you. You have been listening to In Her Room, Women Writers on Life, Craft, and Changing the World. For more information about this and all of our episodes, please visit in-her-room.com. I'm Sarah Blackthorne. Thank you for listening.